Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Losses Above Replacement Podcast, the greatest baseball podcast to grace your ears. I'm today's host, Matthias Altman Kurosaki. With me, as always, we have my amazing co-hosts, Alex Clark and Ryan Splashbots. Gentlemen, first things first, how are we doing on this fine Monday evening? Oh, buddy, it has been a very interesting time over here on the Pacific Northwest, and every part of it has been bad for the last weekend, sports-wise for me. First, UW and Oregon played and had the college football world all in ups, and I was just rooting for the nuke to come by and drop a drop one on the field. And then the Seahawks lost after the drive they should have won. But ugh, it just a- angers me to no end. And then Kraken are just playing how they're playing. So um, hopefully doing a podcast will, bri- will brighten the spirits. Right, guys? Uh, Alex, it I should. agree with you. Um, you know, I only slightly want to off myself. Uh, I missed almost all of the Ravens game yesterday, but Justin Tucker made six field goals. So uh, the memes are beginning again. Uh, although Lamar Jackson is God himself, which is great to see. Um, at least until he gets injured in week 12, which then I'll probably off myself for real. Uh, I had money on Oregon. That was quite depressing. So uh, to get back at Oregon, to get back at the football gods, I had a uh, roasted duck breast today for dinner, <laughs> which was very good, by the way. Man, uh, I could so use screw some Oregon and screw the Philadelphia Phillies. I will say, just to give myself a little bit of a boost after hearing that, I heard there was a conversation that uh, an angry fan, two angry friends yelling at each other, one of the UW fans Proving my point that maybe they're not as smart as they look by saying your mascot's a flightless bird about a duck. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to put it, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, the Oregon yeah. duck is iconic, bro. That it he is S tier. Yeah. We we should like rank mascots at some point. We could I mean, obviously the baseball Oregon mascots. duck is a pretty iconic mascot. I'll but, tell you yeah. that much. Yeah. Like also yeah. the uh, hilltopper. Oh, uh, oh my big God. Red. The Stanford, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Well, no, Big Red is, but the uh, wa- uh, Western Kentucky Hilltopper mascot. No, yeah, the, I, I know yeah. I, that one still haunts my nightmares. It's <laughs> funny enough. Like, have you ever played like the NCAA football games and you looked at that mascot? I'm pretty sure that was the origin, the basis for the sleep paralysis demons that we keep hearing about. So, yes. uh, yeah. I also no, I wish no I missed to running the, the option with trees. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god, those guys were great. Those guys were amazing. You know my my school's mascot is in the mascot hall of fame now. So shout out to the Otto the Orange. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I will say that other than Syracuse getting absolutely obliterated by Florida State, I had a pretty good weekend. I spent it with some of my college teammates in Austin. Uh, it was my first time going to that city. It's a pretty happening, pretty happening place. We went to Austin City Limits, ate a lot of good barbecue. Uh, just in general, it was a good time. It was nice to be out of New York for a little bit. Uh, and it turns out uh, it's a it's a pretty fun place. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so other than that, there has been plenty of baseball going on. The playoffs obviously are in full swing. We're at the League Championship Series now, but uh, we just wrapped up this past week with the division series. So there's a lot to break down. I say we go ahead and start out in the American league and let's, let's start out talking about this Orioles Rangers series, because I think this is one where, you know, the Orioles won 11 more games than the Rangers. They 
came in to the series, I thought, as the favorites, but the Rangers just straight up bulldozed them in three games, sweeping them. It felt like they barely faced any resistance, really. Uh, they only trailed for one inning, one half of an inning, I should say, in game two. They trailed for the bottom of the first inning. So, guys, give me your rundown on the Rangers-Orioles series. What surprised you? What stood out? What, what do you guys think? So, honestly, the, the first thing that pops out to me with this is what we were talking about last week, that the Rangers are one of the best teams in baseball talent-wise when they are hot. And with hot they are during hot they were during this series, and actually hot they are now during the uh, league championship series as well. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you have to have some level of momentum with you in order to go into Baltimore and score fourteen runs over two games. I mean, come on! I know that Baltimore, like, look, they're an, they're a really good team, but they also were lacking a couple of their pitching players. Couple of their main pitchers for this series, not their best ones, but definitely a couple of them. And am I gonna say that as an excuse? No, not at all. I think that at your home, at your home area during the playoffs in that huge of a series, you have to show up. And Baltimore, I mean, to give them credit, the first two games they really fought. They really fought back against the Rangers again. The first one was a close affair, three to two. So honestly, you know, a good, good solid baseball game. But then the second game was a full-on shootout. But one one thing we've learned is that when Texas is hot, you don't win shootouts against the Rangers. The Rangers are just that good. They won 11-8. And then by the last game, Texas also had the home field advantage. They were on fire. I'll give you one guess how that game went. 7-1 Texas. So right now, we are seeing a team that has still yet to lose in the playoffs. Like, let me say that one more time here. They swept, swept, and are right now currently 2-0 against the Astros. Like, talk about getting hot when it matters, right, guys? Uh, I wonder yeah, I mean, which one of us intelligent fellows picked the Rangers to make the ALCS. Uh, oh, uh, uh, don't, I, yeah. I, uh, I don't we'll know. We'll talk about intelligent fellows when we get to the National Yeah, League, so. I, well. I told yeah. you that that was a coin flip series. <laughs> uh, I mean, but anyways. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but also I want to throw it out there that the Rangers had previously, I feel like their postseason track record sort of mimics what they did this season because coming into this year, they had lost, uh, they had lost seven, uh, sorry, six straight postseason games. And now they've won seven straight to start this postseason. So, well, yeah, I mean, spot, yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes I mean sense, seriously. Though. Yeah. I mean, especially on top of it, like, I mean, it's hard to really take into account like previous years. For Texas, just because this team is so different, is managed so differently, is built so differently. Like, we go back to some of those other teams, and they were built around one, maybe two people. This is now a team that, honestly, every player from up and down the roster is contributed to a large degree. Like, everyone likes to talk about Corey Seager. I'm saying, yeah, he's doing great. But Adelis Garcia is doing great. Jonah Heim is doing great. Like, that entire lineup is stacked with studs. And the question always was, is their pitching going to show up? Is their pitching going to be great? And guess what? They have been. Or at least enough so then their offense can at least take over what they need. Yeah, and that... The pitching has showed up. Jordan Montgomery has been mm-hmm. unbelievable so far. Uh, Avaldi has been great. 
the bullpen has uh, just the right amount of anus clenching that you're you don't lose everything, but you're you're hanging on for dear life. You're on the edge of these games. Yeah, you're definitely on your the edge of your seat. Uh, but the offense is cooking, and this is a one through nine. This is exactly what you want. It's everyone passing the baton. Simeon to Seager. Then I don't know why you have Robbie Grossman batting in your three hole half the time, but Robbie Grossman, Mitch Garver up at the top of the lineup. Jonah Heim is there. Nathaniel Lowe is there. Josh Young, Evan Carter, full count Carter is like reaching base half the time. He's uh, there was a, a graphic on the Fox broadcast tonight that he reached base in 46 of his first 102 plate appearances, including the playoffs. That's like Juan Soto, better than Juan Soto, essentially. That's Barry Bonds levels of getting on base. So uh, major props there. And this team can field too. I don't, we don't talk about it because outside of low and Simeon are good defensive players. Adelise Garcia is a big arm, but they make the plays. There are very few miscues. Uh, we talked about it last week that the Rays had all these miscues. The Orioles had a base running miscue in game one. Gunnar Henderson gets thrown out trying to steal second. And the Rangers have just played really tight-knit baseball. They did make an error today, but they've played tight-knit baseball. They make the plays, and they hit when you make mistakes. And they hit for power, and it's been uh, great to watch. And they're up to nothing, heading back home uh, to play their second home game of the playoffs, which is crazy. But they have all the momentum right now. But I will say you can't underestimate the likes of Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve in October. Really understandable. Well, the- One thing I do want to make a quick note on though is I really yeah. like you brought up Mitch Garver. Garver is a player that has been so streaky in a number of ways, but when he's on, he's on. He's kind of the epitome of this Rangers team at that point. Like I want to bring up his baseball reference pager for a second. Here, 2021 was really the year that he kind of really bounced on the sheet. 2019 as well was a good one for that as well. But he went 2019, great. 2020, bad. 2021, great. 2022, bad. 2023, amazing. Like, he has right now the second highest batting average of his entire career next to 2019, but it's only by .003 points. So it's like, what do you want at that point? He has been playing on an absolutely unreal clip here for this team, and he was supposed to be a role player. At the beginning of the year, that was his job, was to be just kind of a guy that fills in whenever you need him to. And yet he has been forcing his way onto this team with hot play. So right now, he kind of is what the Rangers are all about right now. Getting hot, staying hot, and making a difference. I mean, the thing with Garver is that He's not necessarily a great defensive catcher. He never has been, but 2019, he had a, you know, that huge breakout year where he hit 31 homers in 93 games. And to be fair, everyone hit home runs in 2019, but uh, he was injured a lot uh, in the coming seasons. I mean, he hasn't, he, he hadn't played more than 90 games. Actually, he still hasn't played more than 90 games since that season. I mean, he played 93 games that year. This year was the most he played since then, 87. But, I mean, in that time, he had an 870 OPS. I mean, the dude breaks when he's healthy, and he's finally getting a chance to play. I mean, the other thing is that the Rangers have Garver, who's, you know, a good offensive catcher, but not a good defensive catcher. But then you have Jonah Heim, who has become a much improved offensive catcher while also being a very strong defender behind the plate. And it, in my opinion, is like a borderline top five catcher at this point. And you're talking about Evan Carter. I mean, I said this on the last podcast, but I mean, dude is 
just turned 21 in August. But, I mean, the watching him bat, he is the approach of a seasoned veteran, really. I mean, he's like you said, he's always in full counts. He lays off those close pitches. He does not chase. He's just – he's a really fun player to watch. And I think the Rangers have a building block here. And he – I mean, the AL West and the American League really has to watch out because he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, you know, the Rangers, they, they executed. They got the hits. Uh, I know game one, they left a lot of men on base, but their bullpen, I mean, the bullpen has proved me wrong so far. I, that's the one one place I've been very, very wrong about is that I did not trust the Rangers' bullpen for a second coming into this postseason, and they have been they, – they were fantastic in the ALDS, and they've been strong in the ALCS too so far. So, really, not a lot of bad things to say. I think Nathan Eovaldi was great. In the ALDS, uh, I know Montgomery struggled, but Cody Bradford picked him up really well. Uh, and the Orioles, they just, you know, I feel like the Orioles, it's tough because the, people will say, all right, they didn't buy at the deadline, really. Like, why they only get Jack Flaherty uh, at the at the trade deadline? But, I mean, they, they're, they were a year ahead of schedule, in my opinion. I think they would have been foolish to mortgage their prospects to get a big ace-type player. Uh, also, you got to, you know, they're – being criticized for not making a stronger push at Justin Verlander. Well, you have to remember Verlander has no had a no trade clause, and he basically, I mean, he basically put it out there that the place he wanted to waive it for was Houston. So you can't really fault the Orioles front office for that. I think the Orioles had a great season. I think they're going to be back next year. Uh, it's just that they ran into a buzzsaw, and like Alex said, when the Rangers are hot. They're like unstoppable. They look like world beaters. So they've been incredibly streaky. I'm really curious to see how they do in the ALCS. So any other any other final words on this series before we move on? I think uh, right Baltimore now... will be back. Um, I I don't really have any concerns there. Good lineup, uh, good pitching that can improve over time. They still have guys on the farm that should be productive in 24, 25, 26, and so on. Uh, but I've stressed this before. I'm going to stress it again. You got to pay some people to have a good team, Baltimore. You can't just have, oh, we're going to have six years of Adley and then he's going to leave and get paid $700 million by like the Mets, right? That is bad baseball. You keep your franchise players, keep Henderson, keep Adley, keep G-Rod or Bradish, pick your guys and keep them. Yeah, you can shuffle around other places at times and you're going to have a, a decent farm system at least and you can, you know, make moves as you need, but you got to lock up some of your studs. Like you look at these teams now that are in this, this final four, the Rangers, they went out and got their guys, right? They went out and got Seager. They went out and got Simeon Philly. You went out, go get Trey Turner. You go get a Schwarber. You go get a Harper. You go get a Wheeler. Right. And then you have a homegrown cultivated Aaron Nola, right? Uh, Houston, you have Tucker, who's, elevated through their system. Jordan Alvarez, who elevated through their system. Great job, Dodgers, by the way. You probably could have had 10 World Series if he was on your team, idiots. Um, Altuve, homegrown. But then they go get a Jose Abreu. They add to it, right? And Arizona, you have Corbin Carroll. They're a little bit ahead of schedule, I think, but you have the Corbin Carrolls of the world. And uh, you go get a Gabriel Moreno in a trade, and you make a weak position stronger there. And you have the... Walkers and the Martes and the Gallons, and they're going to keep some of those guys. They already paid Carol, didn't they? So uh, 
Baltimore, be smart. You have a good team. You have a lot of good players. Please pay them. I don't want to see them playing for the Mets in five years. Respect to the Mets. I don't want to see them playing for the Dodgers or the Angels or the White Sox or the Cubs or the Braves. Or Braves maybe, but you get what I'm saying. Pay your players. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I I will completely echo that sentiment. Uh, right now, <clears throat> as much as I like want to give you know the Mariners hell for not spending on players yet, which hopefully that changes off season, they still did it back in 2021 with Julio. Like, they still, I mean, 2022 with Julio. Like, you had him, you realized, you know what, this guy's going to be a transcendental talent. We don't want him going anywhere, and so you lock him up forever, basically. And you know what? I'm still, I still think that could go down as one of the smartest moves that a, a murder GM has made. And it's, uh, it will depend on how well he plays, obviously. But now it means that Julio, unless some weird twist of fate happens, will not wear another uniform aside from a Seattle Mariners uniform. And I think the Orioles need to be doing the same thing with Adley. I think that when we get down the line later on, your Adley may very well be the best catcher in baseball. I mean, right now he's already vying for that title, and he is going to be, I think, at that point, if he it reaches to that level, is going to be a potential MVP guy. So why not lock up? You have an amazing young core. You just got to keep them. You have you got to keep Adley. You've got to keep guys like Gunnar Henderson. Guys like uh, Grayson Rodriguez, these players that are going to be studs for you, you have to you have to do that, and that is going to be bigger than even signing any other major free agent. That is going to be bigger for your team's culture. To, signing those young guys that you cultivated, that you brought up, keeping them there, so you're not just raising the corn to sell to the market. Yeah, and really, I mean, I think about the Orioles, and they really haven't had anyone stay with them, I would say, since Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, yes, they signed Chris Davis to that massive contract, but that's the thing is, since then, I mean, they haven't given out a big contract. And I understand if the Chris Davis situation kind of scared them a little bit because that aged really badly, but, like, you know, they let Manny Machado – they traded Manny Machado in his contract year. I mean, they – they even Adam Jones left them eventually. Like, you know, it. I think they would be wise to at least start talking about extensions for guys like Adley and Gunner. And I'm sure when he comes up, Jackson Holiday. Uh, I mean, G Rod, I think, is the ace of their future. I don't know if Kyle Bradish will necessarily be able to replicate what he did this year, but I think he's solid. Uh, so yeah, I think the Orioles will definitely be back. Just I hope they do play their cards right. So let's let's look at the other American League Division series. This one, I think was the least surprising outcome, which is the Astros beating the Twins in four games. Guys, uh, give, give me your give me your thoughts on this series. I feel like the Astros were the heavy favorites here, and they came through. The you fact know, that even was... some people were saying that the that the Astros were the underdogs here makes I, me laugh. I've, I've never heard anyone call the I, – I, I did. They, I, they wow. were underdogs heading into game three. Oh, okay. By the betting yes. market, they were heading into Game Three. Minnesota had the two home games. Minnesota's yeah. favorite. It was like was minus one hundred yeah. or minus one twenty to plus one hundred or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. could have gotten okay. the Astros for plus money at at one point. Uh, yeah, but just anyway, on top of it, like I felt bad because I really did like the Twins going into this series, and you know, it did, were they going to do great? Or probably not. But at the same time, like I'm at least glad that we got to see the Twins in here because they finally got to play a series after playing a pretty decent year overall. And finally, you can get the word win back in their name again, which is always nice to see. 
But I mean, yeah, at this point, they just felt outmatched. It really just felt like one of those series where one of the teams was there and the other one just kind of existed. Like they were just there to have fun, which to be fair, sometimes that's the most dangerous team. But at the same time, like this one just felt out of reach from the word go. Did anyone else get the same vibe? Uh, I, I wouldn't you know, go that far. You know, yeah. I thought Minnesota played reasonably well. I, I didn't think Minnesota got like run over or anything. Um, They competed and, you know, I like the pitching and I like the, the bullpen, especially if you wander on at the end, the lineup is a little light. I'll say Uh, they did activate Buxton for a game four, which that's a travesty that took that long, but uh, I guess you're right, Alex. Um, So, you have this not as deep lineup, but excellent pitching. And there were some cases to be made that Houston should have gone with Verlander in game four to just win game four. So you didn't have to go face Pablo Lopez again, who was unbelievable in game two in Houston. Or, uh, yeah. down in Houston. So I thought Minnesota had a pulse. Um, they weren't the Dodgers who got just steamrolled. They weren't Baltimore who kind of got steamrolled. Um, they were more in the Atlanta realm that they were going to pitch. They just couldn't really hit. Um, so I think Minnesota has, you know, pieces for the future. They are in the, uh, I'm going to call it four stooges division with disasters around them. Um, and if you're going to make the playoffs every year as a three seed, I, they got over the hump of finally winning a playoff game. I don't want to face this team in October. It's very, very brewersy, very, uh, Phillies from a pitching standpoint, not from definitely, 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 definitely not from a hitting standpoint for, from. But from a pitching standpoint, you have two guys that you know are going to go ball out. Then you have a third guy you're pretty confident in, Joe Ryan. Um, and I think Minnesota Minnesota gets a pass for me this year. They they get a good grade. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like the rest of the division, disaster zone. Well, Detroit was reasonable, actually. But Cleveland, F, like you, you finished third. Then Kansas City and Chicago, F. Maybe not for F or maybe not for Kansas City, but Chicago F. Chicago but, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. But props to Minnesota this games. year. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is that the Twins, I mean, they made game one interesting, which was, I mean, they were they were down, you know, 5 nothing, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get the three-run homer by, you get the three-run homer by Polanco, the solo homer by Royce Lewis, who, by the way, Royce Lewis is going to be a fantastic player for a long time. Oh, I, yeah. If he could just stay healthy, and I you know we say that a lot about Byron Buxton, but it's the same with Lewis. It's he has to stay on the field because his bat plays like crazy. He's so good, uh, and it was really fun to watch him ball out in the playoffs. Really, uh, you know, he. I mean, the Twins they got a great performance from Lopez in Game Two. They battled really. They battled in Game Four. Uh, they had an early lead, and you know, Edward Julian hit a hit a home run. He he had a good postseason. Uh, it's just the game three was a blowout. Jose Abreu with two homers. Uh, they just they also ran into Jordan Alvarez, and to say that dude's on fire right now would be just a complete understatement. He has six home runs through six games right now this this postseason. That dude, I mean, seven for sixteen with four home runs in the LDS. It was four homers in the first three games. The dude's just a machine. Okay. I think the twins, I did not have high expectations for them this year. 
I thought they held their own against these Astros. They sure they lost in four games, but they put up a solid fight, really. I mean, heck, they they won three postseason games this year. That's more than they won in the last 19 years combined. All right. They, they so I think the twins have a lot to be proud of. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see them back next year. I mean, you have to watch out for Cleveland, I think. I think they could have a resurgence. But really, I thought the Twins take, took a lot of steps forward this year. So, uh, any, any other final thoughts on the Astros Twins before we move on to the National League side? Um, I do want to quickly retract the fact I did say that they just felt really out of it for a little bit. It just always felt when I was watching whatever I could that – it just felt like the inevitable was going to happen, and it was felt a little bit sad. Like, I there's definitely some life in there, but it was almost just more like watching something kind of slow takes take place, basically. And again, I want the twins to do well. I like the twins overall. They actually have a beautiful ballpark, but right now, I think it's it's gonna be interesting to see what does happen in 2024 if they're gonna to spend more to get to beef up that team because right now I'm not sure if Cleveland is going to stay down where they're at for for that long considering the kind of team they do have. Yeah, no, it's just Cleveland regressed so badly this year and I just, I mean, I feel like for them they can only go up really. Uh, but I think the Twins could keep going up too. Like I said, Royce Lewis could stay healthy. Byron Buxton could stay healthy. They could definitely make make some strides. So anyways, let's move over to the national league side. And um, we're, I'm going to start with that Phillies Braves series because I thought this was the most, I mean, of the two LDS series, I thought this one had the most intrigue, you know, it was the Phillies and Braves. It was a rematch of last year's LDS splash. I'm going to go to you first, since I know you're our Braves guy. I mean, just, I know that you guys, I, I know that you guys, your team lost the series, but give me give me your your thoughts on this series. Um, well, Spencer Strider, I want to give a shout out to him. He entered this series with a nineteen point two nine ERA in the playoffs. Yeah, we all remember what happened in Philly last year. Uh, he came in, allowed four earned runs over twelve and two thirds against Philly. Yeah, he allowed the three home runs in Game Four. I get it. It's the Philadelphia freaking Phillies. They score runs on everybody it took zach gallon three batters to allow two home runs today are you bashing gallon no you're not bashing him as much as he did with strider hmm. so i thought strider was excellent max freed folded like a lawn chair i will say he had the um when i did yankee games when i tweeted yankee games there was a garrett cole start that he allowed like three runs over six innings and he just didn't have his didn't have the right stuff and i tweeted this is an ace level game just enough or uh always competitive enough ace because he didn't have his stuff but they the yankees ended up winning that game in extras max reed did enough he didn't have his stuff at all he got he walked a bunch of guys hit a guy just was horrible but he kept the lid on it enough and like three out of four games the braves pitched really well the bullpen was excellent in three out of four games it helped them come back and win game two it gave them a chance in game four it uh, in theory would have given them a chance in game one if the, if the offense woke up at all, but it's just a quiet offense and credit to the Phillies. They had a strategy of, we're just going to spam Atlanta with left-handed pitching, which usually doesn't work because Atlanta is excellent against lefties, but the way Atlanta's order is set up um, at least in games two, three, and four, you had lefties in just the right spot to curtail any rally. 
Olsen was horrendous. He had an OPS just over 500. That's not going to get it done. Uh, Ozzy Albies didn't do a whole lot um, when he was forced to hit from either side for that matter. Michael Harris had more game-ending double plays than hits in the series. Think about that for a moment. He had one game-ending double play and zero uh, hits. So it is the rarest put out to end a World Series ever or uh, end a playoff game ever besides the unassisted triple play and then doesn't get a hit in the series. It's just it's just kind of the luck of the draw in the playoffs that you ran into a really good pitching staff. You ran into a bunch of lefties in the bullpen and you couldn't string together hits. You get one or two hits. There's lots of men left on base um, and it's just just a struggle. So credit to the Phillies. But I will give credit to the Braves pitching staff that three out of the four games, they gave the offense a shot. You, you're telling me game one, you allow three runs and you lose. That's an offense problem, not a pitching problem, not a strider problem. Game two, you allow four runs, you come back and win. Yeah, Freed wasn't great, but he did just enough for you. Game four, you allow uh, the three solo homers. You're in Philadelphia. That ballpark is at like a the size of a penny. And you allow three runs all on solo homers and you lose. That's not Strider's fault. That's not the bullpen's fault. That's Acuna, Albies, Riley. Well, Riley did hit a homer, so we can excuse him. Olsen, Murphy, who was horrendous again. Darno, Rosario, Pilar, all the pinch hitters. Von Grissom came in at the end, struck out to end the season. It's their fault. It's it's that's the problem. That's that's what went wrong. A team that hit 307 home runs in the regular season was setting all sorts of records for offensive production fell flat when it mattered in yeah. two ballparks that it's like two good hitting ballparks. It's not like they played at the polo grounds and city field. Yeah, no, like I, this series was just weird to me. Like looking at it right now, I definitely thought that the Braves were the better team. I, I agree that they are overall a better team, but the Phillies have just this innate ability. We saw this last year that when the bright lights are on, they turn on. They have been playing incredible baseball in the playoffs the last two years. And even if they didn't win the world series last year, they put up a hell of a fight. And in this series, I think that really showed that. And to kind of back up the sentiment that you brought in there, Splash, like every one of these ball games, except for the third one, was winnable by either side. The third one, just Philadelphia started and they did not stop. So, but you take a look at the scores here, right? Philadelphia beat, beat Atlanta 3 0 uh, in the first one. Second game, it's a one run ball game, 5 4 in favor of Atlanta. Philadelphia, they're winning 10-2 in Game 3 in Philadelphia. And then the final game, lose, uh, Atlanta loses 3-1 to to the Philadelphia Phillies, and they advance to the NLCS. I mean, only one of those games did it ever feel like one team was clearly better on that one day. And that was on that third game. And each one of these, like, check out your sentiment here. Like, every one of these, these were more, this is more of an offense problem than anything, which is, again... Funny considering that how much we have as a collective group, not just you as a group, we have raved about how good the Braves offense is this year. When you have guys like Acuna that are doing their jobs, like Murphy, like all these guys, I don't think that this should be anything that the Braves should be truly concerned about. But at the same time, you're always going to look back on this and say, and, you know, we could have won this one. Our pitching gave us enough to win this game, and you didn't. 
And we've already started to hear about a lot of people calling the Braves chokers. And I I don't like that. I really don't. They've won a World Series in the last few years. They have played some amazing baseball over the last few years. And unlike the Dodgers, who have done this for a decade and have won a World Series title in the 60-game COVID year, like, that's a team that you could call a choker. This is a team that is putting out quality games, quality seasons. And when even when they're in the playoffs, it doesn't feel like it's over. Like, even on the final game, when you lost 3-1, to one, it, you didn't feel like it was over until that final out was recorded. Yeah, no, here's the thing is that, uh, to Splash's point, I think the Braves pitching staff actually did a little better than I expected. I mean, really... I you know after they lost Charlie Morton, I thought that was I mean, they, there's a reason why I picked the Phillies to win this series. That I really thought that they lacked depth behind Spencer Strider. I mean, you had Freed who hadn't pitched because he was on the injury list. You, I mean, you're starting Bryce Elder in Game Three. With all due respect to Bryce, I don't consider him the guy I'd want no, to pitch no, in take, a take away the game. all due respect. He deserves none. That it was a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, take it so, away. Just, re- just redact that. Redact that. Uh, yeah, okay. Bryce Elder should not have started a playoff game. I bring up Waldrop from AAA. I I don't even know if he was eligible. <laughs> Brian yeah. Snitker would have been better on the mound. Bryce Elder <laughs> yeah, is, a, is a fraud. Yeah. He is the one of the worst batted ball pitchers I've ever seen. He gets outs because he has like good defenders behind him, and then when the ball Pretty is much. not hit directly to them, it's over. And it's beyond frustrating. And then you leave him and you let him face Bryce Harper. Like Brian Snicker might probably should have been fired for that respectfully. Um, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Just hit. I don't care if you throw Harper four pitches that land on the moon. You're don't throw a strike to Bryce Harper in that situation. If I could have yeah. live bet, yeah. I would have bet my entire savings account on Harper hitting a one 500 feet. Yeah, I would have lost because it was only like four fifty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the issue I have here is that this is the team that scored the most runs in baseball, and they scored only eight runs in four games. And it really it felt like the only guy who showed up was Austin Riley. I mean, you got two for 14 from Acuna, two for 13 from Arcia, 0 for 13 from Harris. I mean, two for 13 from Ozuna. Really, it's just a lot of nothing. From I mean, they hit 186 collectively in that series. And that's just – that's not going to – that's not going to cut it in in the playoffs. Yes, Flash. Uh, they had one double in the entire series. Yeah, that's that's an issue. Acuna has a double. They had a couple home runs. You had the uh, two home runs in game three. They had uh, four extra resets. Yeah, so you have the one double and you have three homers. And Riley has two of them. Darno gets the the Wheeler. Um, Wheeler was unbelievable that game. He had made one mistake and he Darno made one mistake to Darno. Deep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Wheeler was unbelievable again. But yeah, that's that's not going to get yeah. it done. You can't win consistently in the playoffs if you're just hitting singles. And this is that's a team. That, this is a yes. team that set the record for slugging percentage in a season. They slugged five oh one, and get four extra base hits in the playoffs. Have one double in four games and three home runs. You're not winning any series it, in the last 50 years. You're not winning any series like that, unless you're like the Whitey Ball Cardinals 
and stealing 70 bases, which in fairness, yeah, Acuna much. did steal a couple bases and Acuna was unbelievable on the base paths and scored two runs essentially based on his base running, but just disappointing. There was no energy. Like it's their body language is awful. All, yeah. all series. I'll say that. And I, I know it, the, yeah. I know Orlando RC is getting drugged through the mud because of that. The, the comments he made to Harper and it was in the locker room. If you broadcast the Phillies locker room after game, whatever, I'm sure they're not. Oh, the Braves are such a good team. Ronald Cunha is so good at baseball. Ozzy Albies. He's so I'm there. There's no way they're doing that. I promise you there's no way they're doing that. They, they had to have said something negative about the Braves. Let's go to Texas, Baltimore. I would imagine after game one, someone in the Texas locker room said, well, Gunnar Henderson's going to learn one day to not steal second off Jonah Heim. If that gets publicized, oh, no, it's chaos. But no, it, it has to be against Bryce Harper. He has to hit a, a moonshot piss missile the next game. Just grow up. What's it called? The, the thing is that there's this whole – for some reason, there's been this argument about home runs not uh, – some people, for some reason, argue that you know hitting home runs doesn't win you ballgames. Well, the in that series, the Phillies out-homered the Braves 11-3. to I mean, four home runs from Castellanos, seven for 15, six for 13 with three home runs for Harper. Trey Turner went eight for 17 with two homers. I, I mean, would even say at that point that uh, homers win games. Just good offense will win you games. Like you yes. said that they out they out homered eleven to three like that. Let's ch- let's yeah. change the narrative slightly on that. They hit more home runs in that series. They, they hit almost triple the amount of ex- of homers than the Braves did in just extra base hits in general. Yeah, that's what I mean though. It's like you'll, you people will argue that home runs don't win you ball games, but like. Clearly, it's shown that if you out homer your opponent, like I'm not saying you have to go up. I'm not saying you have to go up swinging for the fences, but at the same time, home runs do win you ball games. And I, I, I would mean, say more extra base hits win you ball games, mate. That too, like yes, I agree. I think that extra base hit right now, a good double that keeps a rally going. Yeah, don't, don't, definitely, don't get me wrong. If I have a chance to hit a homer or a double, and I get to choose, I'm definitely choosing the homer. But I also want to make sure that we're giving love to doubles to triples oh yeah to extra base hits in the gap that keep a rally going and keep that momentum going and then on top of it also keep the pitcher working from the stretch which you know what most time most of the time pitches are better when they're in the windup so yeah okay brian kenny this is the freddie freeman (laughs) over matt olsen argument all over again and just rephrased (laughs) differently and Brian oh, Kenny God. went on national television and said that it was more impressive to have 55 doubles and 20 home runs than 54 home runs and uh, 25 doubles. <laughs> like, Jesus saying. Christ, you are paid to dog baseball. What are we doing here? That's not all I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, like, I, I want to say right now, just overall, that extra base hits are where are going to end. Guess what? Home runs are included in extra base hits. Yes. Yeah. So but the, the other thing I want to hit on is I, I understand, yes, the Phillies stars showed up in the series, but also their starting pitching was fantastic. Mm. I mean, really, you got two solid starts out of Ranger Suarez. Strong outing from Wheeler. Yes, he made the one mistake to Darno. Uh, Nola was really good in his start. Really, the Phillies did the little things right, uh, and their pitchers, I mean, other than that home run by Riley in game two, their bullpen was fantastic, too. So, 
Major credit to them. I mean, this is a team that played at a 99 win pace from June 1st onwards. We knew how good they were, uh, and they they played to their expectations. So, anyways, I'm going to move on to the last series, and I think this was the most shocking outcome of this I mean, postseason. Well, yeah, that's this the thing. wasn't a series. <laughs> this was a loose assortment. I mean, this is exhibition games. These were not I mean, close. The- I can't be- I can't believe this. Yeah, the D-backs sweeping the Dodgers. I definitely did not have this in the cards. Uh, Alex over here was the only one who picked the D-backs of us, and he picked the D-backs in three. Uh, so, Alex, I mean, you you, t- you talked to me first. I mean, I, I, are you a psychic or something? Like, yes, are you Nostradamus? I, I, am, I mean, I, I am uh, perfect is what we say. Uh, no, I mean, my, uh, my logic that I gave on the show last week, which, by the way, go listen to last week's podcast. I'm going to repeat what I said here. Holds true. When you have a team that is on a good momentum tear and you have two to three solid starting pitchers going up against a team that does not have any starting pitchers, guess what team I'm going to favor in that? Regardless of how good the offense was for the Dodgers, the pitching for the Diamondbacks is what really won them this series. Right now, over the course of the three games, do you want to know how many runs the Dodgers scored? Six, two, two, and two. They never could count to three. And yet the Diamondbacks each get first game dropped an 11 burger. They dropped an 11 burger on the Dodgers. And then game two, one, four to two, and then deciding, hey, you know what? That sounds good. Let's do that one more time. And then one, four to two again. And what, how do they get to this? By having a good set of starting pitchers, having good bullpen arms, Paul Seawald shutting the door whenever it was needed of him. So again, maybe give, uh, at this moment right now, give the Diamondbacks the edge in the uh, Mariners and Diamondbacks right earlier, sending Seawald to the Diamondbacks. But right now, that was an exhibition in why pitching is so important. And basically, like, that's honestly, I think, the moral of the story from this entire series is that you look at these two teams, one of them looks like a juggernaut, but they are beat to heck and back. Whereas one of the team is the the, uh, lucky upstart that is more solidified in their pitching. And guess what team won? The team that was the good, that was solid when it came to starting pitching, that had a good bullpen and had enough offense to do exactly what they needed to do, and then showed off in the first one, which, by the way, after that first game, I was confident it was going to be three, just saying, okay, you just made a statement win. That first game was a statement saying that the Diamondbacks are here to play. Uh, Let me give you some quick stats. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, 162 ERA. Clayton Kershaw, a 21 whip. Uh, Mookie Betts slashed 0, 0, 0, Freddie Freeman slashed 100, 250, 100. Jason Hayward, 0 for 7, did not reach base. Uh, Will Smith, shout out to Will Smith. He was the only player with the pulse. Max Muncy hit under 200. J.D. Martinez hit 200. Uh, yeah, uh, Dodgers, bye-bye. This I'm not going to talk about this series anymore. They This was pointless. This was just an exhibition series. Um, this was, you know how the Dodgers had like an intra-squad game and the Braves had an intra-squad game. The Diamondbacks just essentially played a, an intra-squad game with their double-A affiliate. I mean, seriously, you get to, from the first inning of of game one of that series, 
you could tell something was wrong with the Dodgers. I mean, six runs in the first inning, five before the first out is recorded. It's the first time that it was the first time in Clayton Kershaw's career he did not get out of the first inning. I mean, I just I couldn't believe how lopsided this series felt. I understand those next two games are only decided by two runs each, but I mean, game three with those four home runs in the the third inning of that game, uh, including when Gabriel Moreno hit a home run, it was called foul, and then he got right back up and pulled one over the left center field fence. I mean, it just it felt like everything went the D backs way, uh, and really. I don't know why, looking back at this, I'm not sure why I picked the Dodgers to win the series because they had Clayton Kershaw, who's 35 and dealing with a bad shoulder, and then they have to start Bobby Miller, who's a rookie, and Lance Lynn, who is who had the worst season of his career this year. Uh, you know, you got to realize Tony Gonsolin's out, Dustin May is out, Walker Bueller is out, Julio Arias is out. I mean, really, they they didn't have eighty percent of their rotation, uh, so they were their pitching staff was already at a disadvantage. I thought their offense could hold up. Their offense clearly could not hold up. You need your big, like I said with the Braves, you need your stars to show up. And Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and JD Martinez, none of them showed up. So really, that series was a bloodbath. And <laughs> I mean, props to the D backs; they've proven me. They've proved me very, very wrong in that series. And really, the Dodgers, 10, 10 postseason, 11 postseason trips in a row and one ring in a shortened 60-game season. So uh, the Dodgers, I don't know who what the accurate comp would be to other sports, but that's just a rough look in my opinion. So yeah. it was – I. I mean, let, let's briefly go over what's going on in the championship series. So the Rangers have a 2-0 series lead over the Astros. They The Rangers have now won seven games in a row to start their postseason run in. The Phillies held off the D-backs. They had a bit of a late push, 5-3 in game one. So they're up 1-0. Yeah, I'm going to do sort of the same thing we did last week, which is uh, the so the Astros and the D-backs both are trailing in their series. Which team do you think? has a better chance to come back and win their series. Diamondbacks. Easy. I think right now, like what we were talking about with the Rangers, they are on an absolute tear right now and are playing some amazing baseball and have beaten the Astros not once but twice now in a row. They're already at 2-0, only two more wins, whereas the Astros need four. Like, don't get me wrong, it's the Astros can still definitely win it, but right now the Diamondbacks are only down by one game. And I think with how they've played, with how they've been so good about trying to start games hot and then just keep working from there, I think they have – that's going to be one of the ways how you can beat the Phillies. I think that the NLCS uh, is going to be the more interesting of the two championship series. Uh, strong disagree. Uh, the Diamondbacks are not going to see a game six. Houston's been better on the road all season. This is a team that's battle-tested. This is a team that – uh, in their last four playoff series, I believe, answered after losing game one to win the series. Uh, that's just something they do. They they respond well to adversity. Go back to even when they lost the World Series in 2019, they won three straight games to force a game six at home to clinch the World Series. They ended up losing game six and game seven, but that's not the point. But this is a battle-tested team. This is a deep lineup. 
full of guys that have played in the playoffs, performed in the playoffs. You have Jordan Alvarez. You have uh, Jose Altuve. It's just a matter of time before Altuve gets it rolling in the playoffs. You have Kyle Tucker. You have Jose Abreu. You have um, your Charles McCormick. You have Jeremy Pena. And you have good enough pitching. And I think the pitching depth of the Astros is a, a strength for them in moving into this series. While the Rangers are going to have to start using those bullpen arms over and over and over again. It's one thing when you sweep the Orioles and it's just three games, you're in, you're out. That's normal. But four games, five games, six games, and a short time span all against the same team, I think that needle is going to start to turn back towards Houston. And I, I think Houston has a reasonable shot of winning the series. And um, it likely would take seven at this point. I don't think they're going to uh, reverse sweep the Rangers here, but I think the, the Diamondbacks are dead. Um, I would I would have a considerable sum of, sum of money on the Phillies winning in either four or five. Uh, so I I think the Diamondbacks are quick. We'll see you next year. Uh, they should be very good next year and very good for the long run. It's been a great season, 84 wins, more than I thought they would have. I will say I was a big proponent of them early in the season. You can go back, check the at LAR underscore baseball Twitter. I had some Diamondbacks propaganda early on in this season, but Merrill Kelly, good. Zach Allen, good. Not as good as the Phillies. Yeah, so I will say (laughs) – I I will say I don't know if necessarily the Astros can win this series, but they have a better chance, I think, at least to make things interesting. Uh, By the way, Max Scherzer is going to start game three. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, honestly, because he can't really – I'm assuming he can't pitch more than a few innings right now. He's been out since September 12th. Uh, And so – I think there's also a chance that the Rangers streakiness could work against them. Uh, we saw this in August when they won eight games in a row and then later in the month lost eight games in a row. Uh, so I think there, it could go one of two ways. I think, you know, the Rangers could flat out sweep them or the Astros backdoor sweep them in or something like that. I, I still think, I mean, I, before this series said the Rangers will win in seven games and I mean, I still think that's a strong possibility to happen, but I would just say I wouldn't count out the Astros yet. Uh, the D-backs, I think, are kind of overmatched uh, as much as I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong here, but I think the Phillies look real dangerous. So anyways, that's all all we have on the playoffs. Let's. I'm going to throw it over to Alex now for this next segment. We're going to do rant roulette again. He has the prompts. So Alex, take it away. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Rant Roulette. For those of you that were not that did not listen to the last podcast, go listen to the last podcast. But I'll explain how it's going to work anyway here. So what we've got here is we've got a bunch of prompts here. Some baseball related, some not baseball related. So it could just be general life advice. And I'm going to roll a dice here and whoever comes up here, I'm just going to put it into a list here. Whoever gets uh, whatever prompt, they'll just have to go on a rant about it. So let's start out here. So I have a dice one, two, three, four, five, six. If it is one or two, I will go first. Two, uh, three or four, it'll be Mac. Five or six, it will be Splash. It is three. So Mac, you will be going first here. Your rant right. is going to be as the random thing ready to go here. Ah, one that was presented by Splash of the teams that have lost 100 games in 2023 for the White Sox, Oakland, Kansas City, and Colorado. Which one has the brightest future, do you think? Oh, my. This this is honestly a tough question because I think talent-wise, the team I like the most here is probably Kansas City. 
they at least have some star power with Bobby Witt Jr. I think Cole Reagans is a budding ace. Uh, I think they have a lot of talent throughout their organization. I just compared to the rest of the teams, like I think the Rockies have like no direction really right now. The A's, I I want to believe in the A's, but then they'll end up selling off half their team, and then you know they'll go back to losing 110 games again. The White Sox are just kind of spinning their wheels, so I think. The Royals have some sense of direction. Uh, their farm system is improving, I think. I know they were ranked really badly coming into this year, but I think, you know, led by Bobby Witt and Cole Reagans, I think I like the Royals the most going forward out of these uh, out of these teams. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there real quick while we're talking about the Rockies. Uh, they spent $171 million on their team this season. Yeah, that, that is that's, like that's, that is like crazy. one decent player away from being where like Houston, Atlanta, those kind of teams were. $171 million. That's twice as much as Baltimore, Cleveland, Oakland, teams like that. Are you kidding me, Colorado? Your team stinks. What who who are you who's getting paid all this money? Is this just a big Wade, money Wade laundering Davis operation? Probably still. <laughs> Wade Davis, Chris Don Bryant. Arnado. With all due respect to Chris Bryant. Yeah, like, wait, Nolan Arenado, I think it's still on the <laughs> payroll, right? Good point. But like, what are we doing? What are we doing, Colorado? What what are we doing? Um, what are we doing? Yeah, definitely. All right, I'm gonna roll the dice one more time. One or three is uh one through three is me, four through six. It is splash. The roll is if it'll stay on the table, three, so it'll be me. So my prompts, I put it into the random generator. Uh if I could change one rule in baseball. What would it be? Oh, that's an interesting one. Hmm. If I could tr- change one rule in baseball, what do I think I would change? Um. Okay, I'm going to be probably dumb here, but actually, no, I know what I'm going to do. I would uh, raise the roster limit. For all teams, I would raise it to a 30, honestly, because I think there is a good round number that you can have for it. But also that lets you bring in more pitchers, especially with right now what you've had this year. A lot of people have been kind of angry at the pitch clock here. But a lot of pitchers have been angry at the pitch clock because it's they say that's leading to more injuries, which I mean, I think that's just an adjustment period personally. But if you have more pitchers on your roster, that means that you can take more pressure off of those arms. You have more people that you can work with. And just having more people on the major league roster, I think is just a good thing in general, personally. So you can use that time for more pitchers, an extra bench bat or two. I I think that would be a fun thing to do. I, I don't mean to be contrarian all the time, but I I I feel like I'd rather have my guys in AAA. Like if you're say, let me use Atlanta as an example. If you're expanding the roster to 30 teams, would you rather have that you know 27, 28, 29, 30 be low leverage, like fourth inning, fifth inning guys, um, for the major league team, or like occasional pinch hit bats, or would you rather them be in Gwinnett playing every day? for the in the lineup or being a starter and throwing six innings, 80, 90 pitches every fourth day, every fifth day. But I think that comes down to like still just what your strategy is at that point. Like you don't have to have 
the young guys in those spots. That's you, true. If you want to have the people there, then go for it. But maybe you could use those spots for guys that are designed to just be, you know, pinch hitters or just supposed to be those platoon guys, spots. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Um, so. I could see that. I don't know. I think some teams it would be it'd be better for some teams than other teams. Like I feel like Tampa would just get more platoon guys and more like left-handed relief pitchers, and like they'd be well and dandy. And then you'd have other teams like the Mets and the Braves that have the same lineup every single day that are kind of like, okay, we're just going to bring up random 38 year old relievers that have thrown 17 million innings. Man, you know, fair enough at that point. All right. We're going to move over to you here. Splash your topic is going to be, Oh, one that you actually gave, I believe. What is your favorite piece of sports paraphernalia that you own? <clears throat> okay. So I, I have two um, that I came up with when I came up with this prompt. First of all, I don't really, this isn't like a thing I can like grab, but I am a shareholder in the Green Bay Packers. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, oh, yeah. like a, a, a general sports thing. I get invited every every July to the shareholders meeting at Lambeau. I've never been. I should go one year. Um, but I think my, my absolute favorite item um, is a, a cap from one of the seats at Turner Field. I didn't end up going to the game because I had a, uh, it was the last game at Turner Field, and I was in Plains, Georgia, listening to President Jimmy Carter uh, do Sunday school. I fell asleep during that, by the way. But my dad and his buddy went to the game, and at the end of the game, uh, they pried off the like the seat number, um, like from the the side of the like the armrest, the side of the armrest that says seven on it, and they pried it out because they were not going to use it anymore, right? Um, so. I think that's the the number one thing from the last game at Turner Field. I dig that. I think it's a pretty cool piece of paraphernalia. Yeah, I was say, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, like, I know people who have dirt from the old Yankee Stadium. I mean, that's... Yeah, that, like, that's, you know, it's unique. Yeah. You know, I, a lot of people have a Braves hat, or I have a, a hat that it's not signed by Sid Bream, but Sid Bream wrote his number in it that my uh, my godfather gave to me. Um, that That's up there, but... I think definitely on sentimental value, that's up there that, you know, it's if you just went in my room, you wouldn't really notice it, but it, it's I cherish it. Um, I'll give a quick answer to this one. real. Uh, it's actually right here on the back of my chair. I have a Dave Niehaus jersey uh, signed by Rick Riz. So two of my broadcasting idols. So that works for me. So um, that is going to do it, though, for Ranch Roulette. What are topics that you guys would like to see us do for Rant Roulette? Make sure to let us know in the comment section below on Twitter at LAR underscore baseball. But for now, it is trivia time, I believe. So with that, I'm going to hand it over. Yes, it is. Splash. Uh, boyos and bozos, welcome back to Then 10, based on your favorite childhood TV show, Ben 10. Uh, if you are unfamiliar, we've only run this game once, but... To fill you in, picture a Venn diagram with three circles instead of two. These circles overlap. There's a little section in the middle. There's uh, intersections between each of the circles. And then there's a little section of each circle that it's only that. So it would be A, B, and C. There's an A. There's an A and B. There's an A, B, and C. Uh, there's a B, C. There's an A, C. There's a B only. There's a C only. And then there's a out in the blue moon of nothing. Shout out to Blue Moon Odom. So... Today, the goal is to get to 10 points, hence the name Ven 10. And today, the categories are Major League Baseball Hall of Famer or Baseball Hall of Famer, 
gold glove winner and silver slugger. Um, so Alex, uh, because your football team uh, gave me depression this weekend and Max did not play this weekend, uh, Alex, you shall go first here. Okay, then I'm going to go with one that I know has all three of these, and that is my boy, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., I will do the due diligence of checking. He is the Hall of Famer, but I'll give you the exact number of gold gloves and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, he has seven silver sluggers, ten gold gloves, and he was, in fact, a Hall of Famer. So that's I was three at points his Hall of Fame Alex. ceremony. There, there you go. go. Mac, your turn. Okay, I believe this is one that gets all three. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr., uh, Cal Ripken Jr. Is... And we're doing like what five rounds of this, correct? Uh, first to ten. First, first to ten. 10. Points. Okay. Yep. It's two time Gold Glover, eight time Silver Slugger, and he is a Hall of Famer. That's three for Matt Alex. Okay. We go Willie Mays. Uh, Willie Mays is a. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a 12-time Gold Glover and a zero-time Silver Slugger, sir. That is a two because point. Silver Sluggers before... did not exist yet. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. No. <laughs> All right, Mac. Okay, I have to do some thinking here. Uh, I, I think this guy checks all three boxes. Ryan Sandberg? That's exactly who I was thinking you were going to guess. Nice. Uh, the Rhino, 1984 National League MVP. Uh, great second baseman. Um, is a nine-time Gold Glover, seven-time Silver Slugger, and a Hall of Famer, of course. Alex, back to you. Mac leads six to five. Yeah, I'm trying to think of just through positions, like what players have recently gone into the Hall of Fame or have been in the last few years. And hmm. there's a few that have... I think this guy went into the Hall of Fame, and I'm pretty sure he would have both. Uh, I don't know why this name is coming to me right now, but Alan Trammell. Uh, Alan Trammell, Tigers legend. Uh, also, Lou Whitaker should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. that I just put Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame. Alan Trammell, Hall of Famer, four-time Gold Glover, three-time Silver Slugger. That is a triple for Alex. Eight to Let's six, Alex leads. Mac, back to you. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez. That's a good one. The IROD 1999 American League MVP, uh, World Series champion, and with the Florida Marlins, 13 gold gloves, seven silver sluggers, and one Hall of Fame induction. Nine points for Mac. Alex, back to you. Hmm. If you reach 10 here, I'm just going to go. You guys can go back and forth until one of you that's can't fair. surpass the other one. Yeah, no, that, so Alex, that's, that's fair. Um, Okay. What I'm trying to do right now is I'm just trying to figure out who are players that I know have done all of these in some way, shape, or form, obviously. But I'm kind of like going like team to team. Mm -hmm. And I'm 99% sure this guy's in the Hall of Fame. Like, I feel... Why am I second-guessing myself on this? Like, don't... Something in the back of my brain is nagging that he's not. But Larry Walker? Uh, Larry Walker. 1997 National League fame. MVP, uh, okay, famous for a baseball bits video made after him, a three-time Silver Slugger, a three or seven-time Gold Glover, and a Hall of Famer. That's 11 points okay. so far for Alex. For some reason, it was like in the my mind was telling me he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm like, yes, he is. He deserves to be. Was he like one of those that was just like left out or something? He or... was he made it in his last year of eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right, Mac, you must get at least two points here to tie. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, um. Okay. I have to do some thinking here. Uh. Okay. Also, I, a I, shout out to Larry Walker's Twitter: CDN Moose Slaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. I want to say this guy checks all three, but I really don't know Tony Gwynn. Uh, Tony Gwynn, Mr. Padre. I would assume you're talking about Mr. Padre, not his son. Yes, Tony Gwynn, okay. Mr. Padre. Uh, yes, five gold gloves, seven silver sluggers, one Hall of Fame induction, 12 points for Mac. Alex. All right, so I got to keep... I gotta keep going for three, right? Like I, I mean it doesn't have to be three, but if you're not getting three, that makes it Matt can like gain an advantage on you. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm gonna go for someone that I'm pretty sure has done all three, even though he probably shouldn't have one of them. I'm gonna go uh what I'm gonna go with the captain at Derek Jeter. Uh, Derek Jeter, many-time World Series champion, uh, many uh, lots of disrespect thrown his way on the Bird app. Uh, five Gold Gloves, five Silver Sluggers, one Hall of Fame induction, one vote shy of unanimous. Mac. Yeah. So wait, how many does Alex have now? He's uh, up to fourteen. Fourteen, not twelve. Yep. All right. Okay. So once again, you got to get at least two to continue. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Uh. Shout out the city of Kalamazoo, Michigan, by the way. Yes. Uh, the tough part is like, yeah, silver slogans were really a thing until the 80s, if not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So uh, I honestly don't know if this guy got all three, but I know he got in the Hall of Fame. I know he was a really good defensive third baseman. Scott Rowland. Uh, Scott Rowland. World Series champion in 2006. Definitely Hall of Fame inductee. We cover that on this podcast. Mm. One-time silver slugger, eight-time gold lover. Alex, back to you. You're down one. Okay, so I had a name come to me, and I was scared when you said third base that you're going to take this guy from me. And that is one Mr. Chippa Jones. Um. All right. The Braves legend, 1995 World Series champion. I was in the building for his 2700th hit. Nice. He is a two-time silver slugger, a Hall of Fame inductee, but never won a gold glove. Really? Yeah. Well, oh, he, he, wasn't that, he wasn't that great. He was, of he was all right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but we don't know. That and he was also competing contest, with Scott Rowland. Oh, so that's like, fair. Yeah, yeah so that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. He had a couple. Part. He had a all couple right. years that he was all right defensively, but he wasn't. Was never that that guy. So Mac, you're down one. So you need. So I'm one only to, down one. Okay. Yeah. So what does he need to win it right here? Uh, well, he can just if he gets it wrong entirely, you win. If he scores any points, then we continue. But he, if he gets a three, then he'd be up two, and there might yeah. be a situation that if if he goes up three or four, or if he goes up three, then you would need a three to tie. So okay, I explained yeah. that horribly, but no, you're, you're okay, okay. okay. Uh, man, again, I'm doing that thing with the uh. The silver sluggers. I mean, it's t- tough to tough to remember who who played when. Uh, that guy definitely didn't play gold gloves. Uh, man, this is this is more difficult than I expected. I'll tell you that much. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if this guy got all three, but I'm assuming he got two of these. Ricky Henderson. 
the man of steel a shout out to the guy who runs a ricky henderson fan page on twitter he interacts with our tweets when we tweet about ricky uh <laughs> ricky henderson one gold glove three silver sluggers one Hall let's of Fame go nice. alex you one are down two glove, sir holy? yes one he won oh. it in 19 i wish baseball reference would let me scroll uh, he won a gold glove in 1982, his uh, third season in Major League Baseball. Okay. He probably I, deserved more than one, by the way. So there's a couple names I'm bouncing around right now. As I know, he's definitely gotten two. I'm just trying to figure out if he had three. And the one I'm not sure on is the gold glove. Um, You know, I'm going to go for it here. I'm going to go with... Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, senior. Vladdy, senior. Uh, Rangers legend, Orioles legend. Uh, one set of baseball after it bounced to the plate. Yep. Uh, overpowered show. in MLB Power Pros. 2004 Completely. American League MVP. Eight-time Silver Slugger. Hall of Fame inductee. Zero-time Gold Glover. Dang it, I took a yeah. risk. I was trying to figure out if he... Because right. I know that his glove was the best, but his arm was a cannon. That's, that's the issue, is that he... Had a fantastic arm, but he really wasn't that good of a defensive outfielder. I mean, yeah. Uh, as a guy, a Stratomatic guy, he is like, I believe I had his card in 2006, and it was, he had like a four with a 15 error rating, which is one of the worst you could have as an outfielder, but he had a minus four arm, which is one of the best you can have. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that's that's the tough part with Vlad. All so right. Mac, it's a tie game. If you give a three, then Alex would have to match with three. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna I'm trying to go for the knockout punch here. Uh again, again, the tough part is remembering who's won a silver slugger for me. Uh so I know there are a couple guys who definitely got two of them. Uh two of these categories. Um man, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. Uh it's also trying to block out the guys who I know who are going to get into the Hall of Fame but aren't in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm struggling with that too. <laughs> I mean, mm. seriously. Um, I, you could guess one of them, and that would get you points. Yeah. All this right. would be not guaranteed, not three. Yes. Oh, my God. I, I, oh, I I believe this guy has all three because I think Silver Slugger is worth thing. Mike Schmidt. Uh, Mike Schmidt, um, Michael Jack Smith, Schmidt, uh, six silver sluggers, 10 gold gloves, one Hall of Fame induction. All right, right, Alex, you need a triple. All right, I'm gonna go with the other name that I had here, and that is uh, the father of one Kevin Biggio, Craig Biggio, Craig Biggio, the king of the hit by pitch, Mr. 3000 Hits, Astros legend. Played catcher, outfield, second base. Mm-hmm. His um, catcher secondary on MLB The Show is uh, always much appreciated. Oh, yeah. There course. you go. Uh, four gold gloves, five silver sluggers, one yeah. Hall of Fame induction. Oh, Mac, right. back to you. Okay. Oh. Shout yeah, out to Seton Schmidt. Hall. Yeah, he, he went there. Uh, I Man, I thought I had you on wraps there. Uh, that's the problem. No, I, I, to be fair, you probably did. The problem was I came up with I came up with one. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with his Astros teammate. The only issue is I don't know if he got any gold gloves, so I'm going to go with Jeff Bagwell. Uh, Should have been Red Sox legend Jeff Bagwell. I don't know how the Red Sox <laughs> <laughs> Trade him for Larry Anderson. 
But man, like if you wrote like Bagwell's history in a in a book or you tried to pitch it to Hollywood, they would reject it. They say it would say it's too unrealistic. And everything happened. His grandmother was a Red Sox fan. The Red Sox drafted him in the fourth round and then they trade him. Uh, Jeff Bagwell, only a three time silver slugger, Hall of Fame inductee and one gold. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I wasn't sure about that. I'm still on the ropes here. Yeah, I got you on. You the need ropes. three to tie. All right, um, I'm gonna go with another one because now, honestly, Emily, this show is how I'm remembering a lot of these <laughs> legends. Yeah, here, all these players. Um, I'm gonna go with one that uh, I actually got to. I believe I got to talk with this guy here, but that's Andre Dawson, the Hawk. That's a nice call. Mm-hmm. MVP award winner, Expos legend, Cubs legend. Shout out to the Expos. I'm, I'm wearing their hat because I, I can't be seen in Braves paraphernalia right now. Uh, eight gold gloves, four silver sluggers, one Hall of Fame induction. Mac, back to oh you. Oh, my God. We're, we're keeping it going, boys. This is Man. the uh, this is the Indiana Penn, or, uh, Illinois Penn State college football game or the A&M uh, LSU game. Pick yeah, wow. Man, I thought, oh, God, now I have to do some more, more thinking. Mental gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because again, I'm I'm trying to remember guys who like we've gotten. Okay, I think I think this. I hope this guy got all three. Dave Winfield, uh, the man who was drafted in I think every draft known to man. Yep. Also, uh, George Steinbrenner's favorite player. Just kidding, <laughs> Mr. May. This guy. Yep. <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing about MLB history is learning about like how much some of the owners hated these players. Oh, uh, yeah. Dave Winfield, seven gold gloves, six silver sluggers, one Hall of Fame induction. Oh, Alex. You're keeping me on the ropes, my friend. Um, all right. Uh, you know what? Get one of my favorite first baseman and help me the show to you. Switch, switch hidden legend here. I believe he's a switch hitter. I'm not, probably wrong on that, but Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray. Uh, shout out. He was uh, once a fake trivia answer in one of our shows. I screwed that up because I said his <laughs> name in the trivia prompt. Oh, I remember uh, that. That was funny. Yeah. Orioles legend. Dodgers legend. Um, Mets legend. Com- yeah, once compared to uh, Johnny Unitas by the Baltimore Sun. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Th- uh, three gold gloves, three silver sluggers for number 33 and a Hall of Fame induction. Oh, Mac, oh boy. We're back. We're going to go one more round, then I'm going to institute a, a specific rule. So one more round. Okay. All fair. right. Okay, then that's that's fine. Uh, man. Um, okay. I, I, I'm not sure if this dude would have all three, but I feel like he'd have two of them. Uh, give me Wade Boggs. Uh, Wade Boggs, the chicken man, Mr. 3010, Ray's mm-hmm. legend. Uh, rest in peace, Wade Boggs, by the way. Rest, rest in peace. Uh, yes. Shout out to the 1996 Yankees. I, I do want to clarify Wade Boggs Devil is not Ray's dead. Legend. He's, he's yeah. just dead to Red Sox fans. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, eight silver sluggers, two gold gloves, and wow. Oh, let's go. I wasn't sure if he that won a gold glove. Th- that is 30 for 30 for Mac. Alex. All right, so I think that's the end of the round because I went first, right? So Alex, I'll give you one chance to tie here. Okay, Gary Carter. Gary Carter, the kid, Mets legend, Expos legend. Shout out the Expos again. Giants legend. Uh, rest in peace, Gary Carter. <laughs> 
At real rest in peace this time. Yeah, real rest. Okay, yeah, we probably shouldn't make jokes about that. Anymore. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I remember I was at a academic bowl meet when I was in elementary school, and uh, Gary Carter passed. Oh, so sad. <laughs> yeah, that was like right when I got my phone. Someone's like, "Gary Carter died." It's like, no, that's horrible. Then you put away your phone forever. Three gold gloves, five silver sluggers, one Hall of Fame induction. Oh All right. God. God. All right, this here we go. Winner take all right here. Name a pitcher that fits the criteria. Oh, um, buzz in. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Uh, I'm going to go with Greg Maddox. Uh, the professor. Um, I Greg don't know Maddox. why, but he comes up to mine. He comes up to mine, but I'm not. Uh, okay, no, yep. I don't know if Maddox would have won a. A silver slugger. Okay, I'll tell you exactly my thought process on it, right? Is only the show has a card of him with a bat. Like, actually hitting. Uh, is that the Chicks Dig the Long Ball commercial? No, it I mean, is... Uh, that, no, it's him bunting. Exist. No, it's him Okay, bunting. 18 gold gloves, one Hall of Fame induction, no gold, okay. uh, no silver sluggers. Mac, okay. this is for the win. Can you oh name one? God. A pitcher with all three. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember when the silver slugger became a thing. Uh, yes. and it also this would also probably have to be a National League pitcher. That I'm assuming, be, yeah. yeah. So, oh my god, yeah, 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 because the best hitting pitchers I know of are definitely not Hall of Famers, uh, and they definitely aren't gold glovers, I'll tell you that much. And one that will be in the Hall of Fame, potentially will be in the Hall of Fame, uh, at some point in his career, and Zach Greinke. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing, but it's it's not Zach Granke because he's not. obviously, yeah, he's on yeah. the hall. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, man. Uh, wow this this has me completely stumped. Yeah, uh, same. <laughs> I'm not going to lie here because uh, I'm also trying to remember who is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> that is a, uh, a pretty solid one. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Uh, I, they'd have to be a good fielding pitcher, too. Oh, man. Who has gotten in the Hall of Fame in recent memory, too? Uh, wow. I, I am I'm befuddled. Uh, You're smeckledorfed. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I have I have, like, zero clue who this could be. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, it feels weird uh, to call this a draw, but like I can't think of too many. Like I have one more name in mind, but I don't think it's right. Uh, uh, uh while you're waiting, uh, Justin Herbert is in fact a fraud. Lamar clears to a clears. <laughs> uh, I'm I I I I have no idea, so I'm just going to guess. Uh, Tom Glavin. Uh, Glavin was the one I thought of. Uh, he won a couple silver sluggers, did not win a gold glove. Wow. So uh, I, we're going to end in a tie here. Wow. Officially. So, I have uh, a one. Yeah, name. I, I'm just curious about I, 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 I'm i okay to end in a tie with this one. But the other thing I came up with was Holiday. Uh, Doc did not okay. win a silver slugger. Okay. Wait, yeah, so awesome. wait, who who who, who does who has? <laughs> uh, is I there anyone? Figure, uh, just figure this out. Uh, there is not a correct answer here. Oh my oh god, my god. Splash! 
Bruh! I've, I've been lied to. I. Um. With... All right. <laughs> okay, that's my, that's my. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? It, 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 it you know what? You can't with it on the fly. I can't be too mad because it's yet. funny yeah. because Galavin and Smoltz won silver sluggers. Hampton won both, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. And Maddox won eighteen gold gloves, but never won a silver slugger. Oh. I mean, yeah, like like uh, Alex said, Zach Greinke will probably. I oh, I think Zach Greinke will be in the Hall of Fame, and he's won both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can think of other guys who like Madison Bumgarner. Uh, no, yeah, I don't think he's I, I, I think gonna make it Max Max Freed. I'm pretty sure has both. Yeah, he's right? won both. I mean, uh, I know mm-hmm. Dwight Gooden at least won a silver slugger. Uh, Micah Owings, I'm pretty sure did. Carlos Imbrano. Uh, uh, Yamani Gallardo. Uh, yeah, Gallardo. Congratulations. Otani uh, will. You both well got done. to kiss your sister, so congratulations. That was just – it was a, a struggle, I'll tell you that much, yeah, uh, that, that last that question. That yeah, being that said, though, I, th- I thought that was a great trivia Because <laughs> it was a fake so. question. Oh, I, my apologies. All right. That's well, anyways, th- thank job, you so much for that. But uh, let's uh, let's end, end today's show with how we end every – every show with our the moment to ourselves 60 seconds give or take a few to talk about whatever is on your mind sports or not sports so uh slash looks like he wants to go first so your 60 seconds start right now right boys and girls ladies and gentlemen the philadelphia phillies competed in the first year the world series was a thing in 1903 let that sink in in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies, they have spent exactly zero days, zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds with more World Series rings than the New York Mets. Let that sink in. The Mets were delayed by 60 years, about 60 years in terms of coming to Major League Baseball. They won their World Series first in 1969. Then the Phillies tied in 1980. Then the Mets took the lead again in 1986. The Phillies tied in 2008. And at least for a couple of weeks, The Mets have never had fewer World Series rings than the Philadelphia Phillies. The Philadelphia Phillies have fewer World Series rings than a team that went 88 years without winning a title, the Chicago White Sox, and the Chicago Cubs, who went 108 years without winning a World Series. Both of them have three. The Philadelphia A's, who haven't been in Philadelphia since 1954, have more championships for the city of Philadelphia than the Philadelphia Phillies do. It took the Phillies 77 years to win a World Series. Most of that time was spent in a 16-team league. They made two World Series before 1980. In 1915, they lost Boston. 1950, they lost the Yankees. The Phillies are frauds. Don't let this year change that. Don't let a third World Series ring change that. They have three World Series rings in 121 years on 119 World Series opportunities. They are frauds. They stink. Go Braves. So I take it you're rooting for the Phillies in this series right now. Uh, financially, yes. Otherwise, no. Go Diamondbacks. Also, uh, the Marlins. Uh, since 1980, there has been more time the Marlins, or as much time the Marlins have spent with more. Uh, I think the stat is the Marlins have spent more time w- tied in World Series rings than trailing in World Series rings since 1980. And the Marlins didn't exist until 1993. So they had 13 years that you just throw away because there's no such thing as the the Marlins. So the Phillies take the 13-year lead. Then the Marlins win in year four or year five. So it's like yeah. 17-0. Then the Marlins, you know, have it tied for that stretch. Then they take the lead. Now it's been tied for the last 15 years. So uh, good job, Philadelphia. You are, in fact, frauds. Yeah, you know, it, it's. I think the crazy stat to me is also that the Marlins have never won the division, but they've won two World Series titles. Did you like uh, my which, my fact, Mac? That was that was also that was, up. Uh, that was also an amazing fact, by the way. 
Uh, yes, the Phillies, Fun I believe, times. have more losses than any other professional sports franchise. Uh, uh, yes, respectfully, I think, so. I, I think that they don't get ridiculed enough for that. I'll say I that. agree. But, I agree. They want okay. in, in the 50s. They tried to change their name to the Phils because Phillies had such a connotation for losing. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, all right, Alex, do you want to go next? Sure. Why not? All right. Ready? Your time starts in three, two, one. So a lot of you guys probably know right now, I am not the biggest fan of the Immaculate Grid, mostly because I am just outright bad at it. But I will say overall that it's a fun concept. I really like it. It's a nice little brain exercise here. But I have found one that works for me. And no, it's not all Seattle Mariner, although to be fair, I will make that one day and I will relish in it. But um, I have found something called Pokedoku, which is the Immaculate Grid for Pokemon fans. And it is a lot of fun. It's the exact same concept, three by three grid. There's even a unique rarity score for it too. But uh, the one difference with it is that if you miss one, you just lose. Like that's the end of your grid right there. Uh, so it's surprisingly interesting trying to see what kind of like deep cuts that you can go with it. That fact that we have over a thousand Pokemon now means that there's a lot of different answers. And with some of these, there really are only one or two answers. Whereas in the Immaculate Grid, there's still, a lot of times, a good number of answers for any one square. So, if you're a Pokemon fan, and you like baseball, you like the Immaculate Grid or the football Immaculate Grid, give us a try. It's surprisingly fun. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds incredibly fun. I will say this, by the way, and I cannot believe this happened, but my oldest brother today got a zero on the immaculate grid which i didn't know was possible um wait is zero rarity yeah he got a zero big rarity. No big, big 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 props i, I have think no my clue first ever is a that. two that's i got incredible. a three today i thought i, got I did well getting a three uh, and he got a zero every time you know see i'll we say need this. to invite your brother on the show there mac yeah, yeah, so please. here's the thing is that, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm the youngest, like, I don't know, I, I, you know, I'm the youngest of five kids, but, like, it feels like everything has to be a competition in some way, um, and uh, I feel like there are days where I finally have a chance to be better than him, and then he, you know, gets a zero or something, which, this is the only time that getting a zero is good, uh, by the way, uh, you trust me, I getting a zero, so, yeah. you don't want to get a zero on an exam. I'm just saying that if you're any, any, any students are listening to us. Uh, so anyways, I'm going to get started in three, two, one. So I just want to talk a little bit more about my weekend out in Texas uh, because I had never been to Austin, like I said before. And I realized that, I mean, it's actually, it's actually not too different from New York in some ways, you know, places stay open late. There's a lot of things to do, uh, but really the thing that stood out to me the most is the food. I didn't have a single bad bite of food in Texas. Uh, you know, the barbecue was fantastic. We went to Terry Black's on the first day. Really good beef rib, which I had never had beef rib before. Super tender. Their pork ribs are really good. Uh, so was their brisket. Uh, and then we had really good barbecue at Leroy Lewis the other day, which is a food truck with a super long wait, but it's all 100% worth it. Uh, which is it's also next to a coffee shop, which is really good. Uh, and it also had really good Mexican food, uh, even like, like the local like chain restaurants. It's really good. And we had really good biscuit and gravy, too. So uh, if you're ever in Austin, I'll just say uh, you will not have a single bad bite of food. And I actually recommend it 
Uh, if you like live music too, they have great live music. And also we went to a few different bars and there was a water cooler in every single one of them, which I think is great and very thoughtful. So if you have a chance, there's one city out there that I recommend you look at. It's Austin. All right. So that was our moment to ourselves. Uh, thank you all for listening to today's show. That will do it for us. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to follow the main account at LAR underscore baseball. Follow Splash at Mr. Splashman 19. Follow Alex at the Sports Guy 242. And follow myself at Matthias underscore A underscore K. But for everyone at Losses Above Replacement, thank you all for listening. Hope you all have a great rest of your day or evening or whatever. And I hope to see you all real soon. Thank you.